existing and so can you. The show that engages with the canon so that you don't have to. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm another of your hosts, Sydney. Welcome back to part two of Dolly Parton. Sydney had a great idea for how we're going to intro this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought we were already doing the podcast, but now we are. So I think we should. So sometimes we count down and say how we felt about something, but we've been talking about Dolly Parton for like a month. So I think we should count down and say what is our favorite. Now that we've listened to the entire catalog. And we have. What is our favorite Dolly Parton album? What stood out to us? What is something that we would like share with others or pop on on a road trip? Yeah, that sounds great. You okay. want to count us in? Yes. Okay. Three, two, one. New Back Harvest. Barbie. Oh, wow. <laughs> New Harvest First Gathering. Oh, my God. That was supposed to be mine and mine was supposed to be yours. Oh. I feel like we've been misdirecting each other all week. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. New Harvest First Gathering, I have listened to just Light of a Clear Blue Morning. Mm-hmm. I can't stop. Yeah, I can't either. And neither it's... can she. She has re-recorded it at least three times. Yes, like, because at... she knows when she's got something good. Yes, as which is funny because it's like it's not the smash hit no. that Jolene was, but she knows it's good, and yeah. I know it's good. Right. I think she keeps re-recording it because she's like, guys, this should have blown yes, up. can you just? Yeah. Like, it's. I think she snuck it onto a movie soundtrack. At some I, point? It should be. I don't know. Did you skip the movie soundtracks? I did. Yeah. I listen to the movie soundtracks like in other people when they have one of those in there. I'll be like, this is probably going to be weird and like not like their other work. But mm-hmm. for her, it's like it looked like also these movies were maybe like vehicles for her. I don't know. A lot of them were. Yeah. It's because of not born this way. What's that movie called? Stars born. Ah, yeah. I just felt like it was going to be closer to like imagine if someone was like, who's Lady Gaga? And then they just skipped over Shallow. That would be wild. That would be, yes. So, I don't know. I just, like, wanted to see what... I, I felt like there could be some some good Dolly in there. And there is... there uh, there, there is, I'm not sorry I listened to them, but one of them definitely, she was like... She was like, Light of a Clear Blue Morning is going to be... She snuck it into a movie. She snuck it into... She just, like, puts it... She just puts it wherever she wants it. Yeah. And, I mean, I think it's, it's an incredible song. So, yeah. yeah, I'm glad that she put it in. I am sad, and we'll talk about this more later. I am bummed that she re-recorded it for her Iraq War album because that shit was fucking wild. Didn't she also do it? I feel like there's one where she does it kind of really 90. There's, there's, like, a lot of... um. There was one Light of a Clear Blue Morning that was kind of synthy that I, like, wanted to love, like, when it started. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe it was the movie one, actually. Maybe the mo- it's the one in Straight Talk. Music oh, okay. from the motion picture Straight Talk. Yeah, from, like, 1992. I wanted to love it, but I honestly don't think that she's ever done it. I think the first one's the best. Yeah, I agree. So, yes, First Harvest, what is it? New Harvest, First Gathering. New Harvest, First Gathering. I That is a highlight, and I do remember that there's at least one other song off that album that I was like this is great but I just don't know I just remember it being kind of every other song was good mm-hmm. it felt like it just felt like some spaghetti at the wall which a lot of her albums kind of feel like yeah. honestly that she's like it's a little bit her brand yeah like this is this is all my ideas mm-hmm. take what you want and I have and I wouldn't if somebody else put that album on I would be really pleased with their choice Mm -hmm. but i got can i tell you i got to backwoods barbie and you had already told me that it was going to be good but you were kind of you i was hedging yeah 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 yeah. which i think is good you don't want to oversell right i put that shit on from the jump i was like this is fantastic (laughs) and i know that it's just because i was 20 when it came out and so that is the kind of like just everything from 2008 is gonna sound 
better to me yeah. than all other music because that is when your taste solidifies. Ladies and gentlemen, that that's science. That's brain science I'm giving you. Yeah. And she also, like, Backwoods Barbie has the benefit of sounding like 2008 music, which sounds obvious, but that is not always true of Dolly Parton. Like, so much of her stuff in the early 90s right. sounds so creaky. Yeah. And so old, whereas, like, that sounded like her still but like very current yeah 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 yeah. but it's like i was like if this is if i'd known that this is what country music was like it's so groovy Mm -hmm. i can't even handle it the covers are such a delight like other well there's other covers she does that i don't know the other versions of because i don't know very much country music right but sometimes there's ones that i do know and i'm always kind of like okay i'm glad you got to do that dolly but the two on backwoods barbie are both absolute bangers that i like as least as much at least as much as the original Mm -hmm. jesus and gravity yeah it's a fun song i loved it Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what you have to do to make me want to listen to a song about Jesus? Yeah, you have to really smash it. Oh my God. It, but it's like, so I was like, this is motivating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this should be in like a play. Mm-hmm. Like, it was very theatrical. Yes. It was very act one finale. Yes. In a way that I loved. In the same way that Light of a Clear Blue Morning is very like show finale. Yeah, show finale, or honestly, almost, um, I. Just from the track list of whatever her 1992 Mm. film was, it's the second track, which makes me feel like it's kind of not an I want song, but like the setup, like the um, little town. Like, how are we going to characterize this person's like onstage persona and their outlook Mm -hmm. and like their following, like, like what is good about them? Yeah. I think it could be that or I think it could be a great because of it's sort of like uniting gospel nature. I think it could be a great like midnight radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jesus and gravity is very like divine gravity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, it I, is though. Yeah, no, like I see what epic. you mean. Yeah, it's epic, and it's like it's like that's what you need in an Act One finale because you need people to feel like you need people to be excited to come back from intermission. You want them to feel like they're in the middle of a really like important journey. Yes. As soon as you said Act, that's what you need from an Act One finale. My brain just started going a weekend in the country. Do, do, do. We just saw a little night music. We just saw a little night music, but honestly, it's like it's kind of a different style of music. But I don't think that's a bad example. No, it's a good finale. Like launches the whole second act. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, now that you're saying it, I feel like that show does kind of speak to Dolly Parton. Like I feel like there is kind of a a dialogue there of sort of like realism in pastiche. Yeah. And the feeling of, like, it seems very frivolous and floofy, but there is, like, a real edge and commentary to it. But it's just dressed up in this, like, very fun, flouncy way. Yes, it's very flouncy, but also, like, ultimately pretty grounded. Yes. And, like, class commentary. Yes. But, like, you don't have to worry about it too much. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it, but you can. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You should notice it. Yeah. Yeah, and like you'll probably you'll be affected by it whether you know it or not. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's gonna make you feel things. Yes. Can we talk a little bit just generally about like what our general impressions of the back half of Dolly's catalog were? It's a Most, lot more scattershot. Yes. I would say it's much more mixed than the first half. First half of her catalog, I think, is at worst fine and then moves up to great. Yeah. Back and half all, of her catalog. And there's a lot more like 
we moved through a lot of eras, but it's like it did change over whatever the 25 years mm-hmm. that we looked at. But there was a lot of sort of much of a muchness and like you just sort of picked out the tunes that are the most engaging or that's what I did. I just would yeah. be like, oh, this is a, the like like these are all good songs. Some of these speak to me more than others. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the second half has been like, as soon as I put a record on, I'm like, oh, I'm going to like this one or not like it. And some yeah. of them were like deeply boring. Yes. I said to you at one point, how much of this can we lay at the feet of Kenny G? Because yeah, like, I know, I think that's an interesting observation. Because the second half of our catalog, we started in 1987. So Rainbow is a really fun album. Yes, okay, yes. I, Trio I, is a very strong collab. Yes, it's nice to hear her. Um, I just love a three-part harmony in mm-hmm. any... I love a three-part harmony. And then when they're all sort of like personalities. Yeah. That's exciting. And then for the next like eight years, she just produced, sadly, like some of her most well-selling albums, but also some of her most boring work. Yeah, really boring. Like um, really, really dull. And the reason I bring up Kenny G is because Kenny G exploded in 1986 and then for whatever reason, and this is not just true of Dolly Parton, there are other people like Elton John who this is also true of, just like spent, I want to say the better part of a decade just doing like easy listening, yeah. such boring stuff in the late 80s and early 90s, especially in the early 90s. And so putting on a lot of Dolly Parton stuff from the early 90s, I was just like, okay, maybe she's coming out of it now. Nope, not yet. All right, let's try the next album. Yeah, there's something Something happened where it was like, let's make music that no one notices. Mm-hmm. Like that was what people wanted. And I guess it was for like daytime radio, like for I people guess. to have I like, I, like people's offices maybe wanted to have radio stations that everyone could agree on. Yeah. Like music that that no one will be offended by because no one will notice it's there. Yeah. And I think I think they just need there was like a call for that in mm-hmm. in the culture and it made music boring. It made music deeply boring. I don't know that that's really just a theory, but whatever it was, it was like I didn't hear a Dolly Parton song that I thought was fun between like 1989 and 1995. Yeah, I I don't want to skip over though how fun Rainbow was. That was that that's another one that I I would say I could have said was my favorite. Yeah, that made a promise of the back half of her catalog that I was... That it could not keep. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't keep. She does make other good stuff after that. There's just a very boring decade. And look, if yeah. easy listening is your thing, check them out. Because like all Dolly Parton stuff, it's not that it's poorly made. Yeah, if it's you just need stuff on that so much less to interesting pay to attention to. to but yeah. um, if you do want to pay attention... Yeah, okay, Rainbow. I'm looking at the track list now, and this is one... Like some of the earlier ones that I'm like half of these, like every other song, Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's a great song. And some of them I'm like, that's a very forgettable, Mm -hmm. acceptable song. So it's just kind of a mixed bag. But it is if you want to like her immediately, that is as good a place to start as any. Yeah. And it's similar to what we were saying last time. We were talking about the difference between when synths sound really fun and vintage, where yeah. as opposed to when they sound creaky. Yes. And this was like, it's 80s as fuck, but it still sounds good. Like, it doesn't sound stupid. Yeah. I think the worst offender is her album Something Special from like 1992, yeah. 1993. Yes. Because that it's 1995. Is... I'm sorry, I have it open. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. that is the album where she re-recorded covers of both Jolene and I Will Always Love You. And yes. Jolene is like pretty forgettable 
the I Will Always Love You cover is a fucking embarrassment. It, it is. is shockingly bad. It is. Because it's a duet with this guy, Vince Gill, who, like, I'm, I might be showing my ass here being like, who the fuck is Vince Gill? And, like, the entire city of Nashville may have just melted. I don't know. I don't give a fuck. All I can tell you is he does a terrible job. He doesn't need to be on the song. And, like, her recording, it's like, you're not going to take this song back. And from everything I've heard about her talking about it, she didn't want to. She's not trying. I think she's just, like, excited about the song again. Yeah. I mean, it might have... like, you are not... You're not going to... You're not going to do what Whitney did. Mm-mm. And, like... Her recording, like the first one, is like also a nice song. It's not the Whitney Houston thing. Like it's not as her cut, I don't think, is as timeless and essential as Whitney Houston's. And that's okay. Right. But she you can it. you can at least tell in the original version that it's like, oh, this is a good, well-written song. Yes, it's, still, it's a nice listen. Yeah. Whereas there's like so much in the way of the 1995 version that I'm like, I can barely tell that this song is good. Yes, I, I agree with that. There's also, we skipped over Honky Tonk Angels, which is another- That was an um, interesting one. Yeah. Collab that I also kind of liked. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of like not really my thing. Yeah, but she has some interesting stuff on there. There's a a song that technically features Patsy Cline, even though I'm like 90% sure that Patsy Cline was dead by the time that they recorded. Oh, yeah. No, I think they just sampled. Yeah, but they like in the universe of the song, they're like at a certain point, Dolly's like, take it away, Patsy. Like she's there in the recording studio with them. Yeah. It's like that is a recording of her from like 1960. Dolly really starts playing with like the form. Yeah, well, like, breaking the fourth wall. Yes. <laughs> like, like direct address. Yes. She really starts, like, popping onto her records and being like, hey, hi, want to know mm-hmm. some stuff? Oh, one thing, speaking of her collabs, one thing I wanted to call out in Trio, which I think is a great album, and Trio is Emmylou Harris, Linda Ronstadt, and Dolly Parton, three great recording artists. Linda Ronstadt probably should be on the envelope if she's not already. I think she is. Okay, great. I think I Um, So probably coming up in a future episode. But this album is fantastic. But something that I noticed and I felt like kind of proud of myself is they go through the first few tracks and then there's a track called, I think, Wildflowers is the name of the track. It's like the fourth track or the fifth track. Okay. And Trio One. Yeah, Trio One. As soon as it starts, like the lyricism of it is just so poetic in this very mm-hmm. specific way where I was like, oh, I think this is the first Dolly Parton written song on the album. Yes. And then I looked and it was. Yes. And I was very proud of myself for that. I was like, yes. oh, great. I can pick this out by the writing, which... As we've talked about, I have a problem picking out song lyrics. So the fact that I have a deep enough understanding of Dolly Parton to be able to pick out her lyricism in an album where, like, she is ostensibly involved on the whole thing. Yeah. I just felt very proud of. We've been really spending some time with her. Like, I think it, it's it's not simply a matter of quality. It's also, like, the kinds of things. Like, she mm-hmm. likes a good, like, nature imagery. Yeah. She likes a little bit of a story. She likes, I don't, does anyone die in that song? No, I don't think so. Cause I think it's just about like, she likes a, freedom of development. She likes, to, well, no, she likes that too. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's one of her, like, you know, let the wildflowers grow where they may and they can be yeah. beautiful kind yes. of things. So I just wanted to mention that before we got too far away from it. Trio two was fine. Like, I didn't really care, but I also didn't dislike it. It was just like, okay. And I'm sorry to say that I, in addition to the albums often being a lot slower, they have also become longer 
where the yes. average length of her album has gone yes. from 25 minutes to 45 minutes. Well, I think that's part of it, is yeah. that I'd be like, I listen to five of these songs, Dolly, and I... <laughs> right, and it's like, oh, if I went through 15 minutes of this, well, I've only got 10 more minutes and three more songs, so, like, fuck right, it, so whatever. so I might as well, yeah, but if it's going to be so much longer, and it's like, you, if it's not going to pick up at track six, you're not going right. to be like, surprise, this is interesting now at track six. Yeah. Just let me know when we're ready for Forgotten Country, because i got a lot to say about Oh, that. so do I. I mean, I could genuinely go track by track on this shit. Yeah. It's um, like one of the wildest things so I've ever listened since to. Since you mention it, and, well, the last thing I want to say before we get there is yeah, okay. she does an album of covers called Treasures, which is mostly pretty forgettable, but she does a really good cover of Peace Train by Cat Stevens on okay. it. And yeah, she does a really one. good, like, surprisingly fun cover of Walking on Sunshine. Oh, you told me that, and I meant yeah. It's oh, like a it's like a '90s it. honky tonk version of "Walking on Sunshine." It's great. Okay, like, it's, I'll go back for it. It's quite a standout track on an album that, again, like most of the covers, I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. You don't need to listen to the whole album, but listen to those two tracks. They're great. Okay. Yes. Let's talk about "God and Country," which it or "For God and Country." Uh, yeah. So. We teased this a little bit in part one. Oh, Forgotten, just saying there was a huge right turn in country. I know this is like the fourth time I said it in the Dolly Parton series. Yeah. And Dolly Parton was a little bit taken with that, a lot of it taken with that. And so in 2003, right around the invasion of Iraq, uh-huh. I don't remember how many months it is after we actually were in, she releases this album called Forgotten Country. It is her longest album. It's a full hour and 20 minutes, not counting all of her compilations and stuff like that. But it is her longest studio album. And it is, I described it to you, and let me know if you still agree, as like a a window into the funhouse mirror parallel universe version of Dolly Parton where she uses her persuasive songwriting powers for evil. Because it is some like, nationalist jingoistic warmongering stuff yes. that is just like so wild to hear from her i i don't disagree with that but there's just like there's so many layers to it that i mm-hmm. that i i don't disagree but i would like to complicate sure and i should also note before we get too far into this that for our listeners who may not remember 2003 sure. i don't know that could happen This was a time in American history where we were supposedly very keyed in into what was happening in the countries that we were, quote unquote, totally not invading. Yeah. And so there are a lot of like very specific niche jokes that may not make any sense to someone now because they're all about Al-Qaeda, the ruling party of Iraq, the Ba'ath Party. There's a lot of stuff in there that, like, the weird deck of cards about the the new axis of evil. Like, things that are so 2003 that I had to, like, really jog my memory to be like, oh, right, I forgot that's what we were all talking about we, back then. We knew all that stuff. We really cared. There were a lot of, like, chain emails. Mm-hmm. You guys, before, when, when you had to have a student email to go on Facebook, there was a thing that would happen where you would just get forwarded emails. People would forward things to their whole address book. Yeah. If they thought they were funny or enlightening in some way. Some of y'all's parents might still do this. Yes. Yes, they might. My grandmother did it a lot at the time. Oh, my God. My dad has spent, like, countless hours reading through funny chain emails that relatives have sent, like, over the years. And so, I mean, it it really was sort of the beginning of memes as we know them. And, like, The Daily Show— was happening like it became sort of like cool and funny 
to know a lot of uh, specifics about world politics, which, like, I guess overall is not a bad thing, like, to Uh be well-informed about world politics. Like, that's okay. You If that's what, like, you can do that. But, like, I don't know. There was this kind of smug... Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it. It's like it's like it's like it's not bad that people knew, but we we just like all thought we were John Stewart about it. Yes, do you know what I mean? And these emails would go around where these jokes would develop about. And so if you were like me in a very surrounded by a lot of progressives, all those jokes would be about how shitty the president was. They would all be the butt of the joke was always the American government, right? And it wasn't, we certainly were not rooting for Iraq. Yeah. But it was more like, it was more important to us to talk about how the American government was a bunch of buffoons. Yeah. It was a, um, it was a weird time. It was a a transitional moment in culture. And this Mm -hmm. album was just extremely clarifying for me. Yes. In terms of, because I just like, at the time, I didn't know any Republicans. I didn't know any Republicans. Mm-hmm. at all and so i just like it baffled me that anyone like would take george bush seriously as a president it baffled me that anyone would support the iraq war it kind of still does that I mean, baffles me yeah well i think let's not forget that the first term of george bush's presidency was like the greatest modern example of of like the rally around the flag effect where his approval rating was like 40% before 9-11 and then it jumped to 90% and then dropped over the next two years and then jumped to 75% when we invaded Iraq. So it was like the majority of the United States was Was on board enough with him. I do think that Al Gore probably would have also gone to Afghanistan. I don't don't think we would have gotten out of that one once 9-11 happened. I think that was happening no matter what. Mm Mm-hmm. But Iraq was like, had nothing to do with anything except George Bush and American racism. Yes. Like, it was truly out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. He was just like, this is a passion project of mine. And now he makes paintings about how fucking bad he feels. I just can't believe this is really how world history is made. (laughs) It's one of the weirdest things about maturity. (laughs) Is that like the stuff that you thought was going to be a weird blip becomes the actual history of the world and you're stuck with it forever yep okay so anyway this Dolly Parton album <laughs> yes so one of the so things that's that, what's going on we've yes just, that's what's going just on started in the a war out of absolutely nowhere just because we started another war George Bush is in Afghanistan that kind of made sense to do because of the Twin Towers like yeah. I'm not really into imperialism but like I, I I get why that felt necessary it was an A to B decision whether it was the correct decision is a story for another yes, time but like we I, yes I got I got why we were doing it yes <laughs> yeah and then the Iraq war started and everybody I knew was like pretty mad about it yeah, well, and also the like, lead-up was insane. But yes. we, if we keep talking about how crazy the lead-up to the Iraq war was, we'll be here all day and we'll never talk about Dolly well, Parton. It, yeah, but suffice it to say, it was crazy. But I spent that whole time, again, because I knew no Republicans, I was like, who is falling for this? Why does this work? Who thinks this is a good idea? And how do you make people think it's a good idea? The answer is Dolly Parton. Yes, and the answer this... to your second question is with a Dolly Parton album. Yes, yes. So one thing that she does in this album that I'm 
sure you were going to bring up, but it's just top of mind for me, is the direct address you were talking about before. She really uses that to make the subtext of every song text. Yes. Like she will do the song and then there will be a minute at the end where she will just be like, well, hey there, sugar. It's Dolly Parton. This song is about how you should unquestionably support the troops. And I'm going to shit in Osama Bin Laden's mouth. And then the next song is called Go to Hell. Yes. Yeah. It's very disarming because she like uses her, her, her folksy charm. Like she just still, she's just still Dolly Parton. It's like, like at this Mm -hmm. point, I'm very emotionally invested in the sound of her voice. Yes. And so like when she comes on and is like, well, hey there, sugar. I'm like, who me? And then she's like, I'm like, is this going to make sense? Yeah. Are you going to explain it to me? In a way that makes sense. And like, she doesn't, but like, you know, it's a lot of like American exceptionalism is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So another big, I mean, if we're just talking big themes, something that really stood out to me, I noticed a lot of like, a lot of the songs are about how sad it is when people die in wars. Like whenever that message would come through, I would be like, hey, yeah. That's literally what we were saying. Like we were saying like people are going to die. And so maybe we should not. But for some reason, I mean, this is the thing that I'm like, I'm like, is this a window into into the minds? Like they like that. Or like this album does. Dolly mm-hmm. does in this. It's That's like part of, it's like romantic somehow. Well, it's yeah. Like, it's like we talk about how these people will die. And then we talk about how it was worth it. And then... Like, the cause was important enough. Yes, yes. And, like, one of my big questions always about how, like, how are people still Republicans is, like, but we have so much more fun than them. Like, all our stuff is better. Like, how do you watch any show other than blue bloods like how do you how do you like intentionally like watch a program that makes you feel something that makes you like sympathize with other people in other situations week after week get to know these people and then how are you a republican do you know what i mean and also like we're so much funnier like leftist jokes are so much funnier (laughs) because they punch up not down yes like or like because they have punch lines like republicans like don't know what is funny at all yes this is true like they're they're stuck in like like stepping on a rake. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like that is peak Republican humor. And I'm like, do you know how much better you could have it? Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not saying like we have like I'm sure Louis C.K. is a Democrat. Like I'm not saying that it's that it's morally superior to yeah. be that way. Uh, no, Harvey Weinstein and Tom Girardi were both huge Democratic donors, yeah. and they're both pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, but it just feels to me like all of the good culture would point towards progressivism, would guide you slowly but surely towards progressivism if you truly invested in it. And I don't see how anyone doesn't because I don't see like an alternative that is that I can imagine the appeal of. So <laughs> when I think about that and then I listen to this album. <laughs> sure. And in the album, it's like it's presenting what to me feels like really bad story logic of like Mm -hmm. it will be so sad when all these boys die like people i know will die people you know will die Mm -hmm. like our sons our daughters yeah will die over this and then it's like but it's a great idea like to me that is an absolute reversal of logic but i'm like maybe if we're having culture wars and there is nothing like and and uh, like like you're in a, a cultural situation where the things you relate to the things you have to relate to are stepping on a rake and like country albums but you still want to feel emotionally connected to something you want to feel something you want to get to cry in your car you want to connect 
like she's she is a, a great storyteller that's her whole thing and she's pulling on these emotional strings like whacking that like hard yes <laughs> not subtly but it's like is that like did people like that and is that part of like what people liked about having a because we hadn't had a war in a while if having the story of a war or the story of going to war and telling the stories of the effects of the war is one of your main story experiences like emotionally investing in something and having and building community honestly around mm-hmm. something and like like just like living in an experience that's a little bit not your own and like feeling the depth of that mm-hmm. if that's if that's your only way in then like of course you want a war again to talk about do you think that's anything it might be it's also interesting that you bring that up because dolly parton is like smack dab in the middle of the vietnam generation like she was 21 in 1968 yes, yes. oh my god i was not even thinking about that but yes how did she how did she come out of that and be like this we should probably do more imperialism i mean i don't i think that she thought of it as like well you know hindsight's 2020 20, we don't win them all but like the idea that like oh yeah we haven't had a war in a while ergo we wouldn't have an unjust war also, we don't ever get attacked on U.S. soil, and we just did two years ago. Right. So we have no real frame of reference for how to respond to that. Right. So this is just part of our continuing response to that. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm from a place where you still, driving around now, see 9-11 Never Forget signs, and it has been yeah. 22 years. Yeah. You know, like, so I am not totally surprised that yeah. this was the reaction. There's so many allusions to um, our American freedom mm-hmm. and how important that is mm-hmm. and how unique it is mm-hmm. without ever enumerating like what kinds of like what does that what does that mean to us? Right. Like like what are these freedoms that are so great? We're not going to say. And like what exactly is the threat to them when we are the invading force? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's not, that's not discussed either. I mean, that's not like a new propaganda tool to my ear, but to hear it deployed with such ease and charm in the midst of this batshit crazy album. I mean, it's, it's wild. You it guys. truly I can't is. Even. The way we genre hop, like there are songs about freedom. There are, there are ballad power ballads about freedom. There are bluegrass jams about freedom. There, there is are the, lullabies about freedom. There is the national anthem. There is the national anthem about freedom. Like it's a wild ride. Like it even is. the, just like the mixing, like if you couldn't understand the words, you would not think any of these two songs were on the same album. Yeah. Listening to this album was fascinating for a lot of reasons. And one of them was, it's like, for as snowed as she clearly was by what was going on in U.S. society at the time, she still had enough presence of mind and was, like, still in enough control of, like, herself and her other goals to when she recorded uh, a song like When Johnny Comes Marching Home, she threw in, like, When Johnny or Janie. Yes. (laughs) Like, was like, oh, but gender parity in the armed forces is an important piece of representation to me. Yes. But, I mean, I think she probably, like, knows some lady soldiers. Yeah. And and like, I want to include them. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, Dolly? I'll give you that. Like, yeah, yeah, if you're going to make an album about the armed forces, yeah, you should call out that there should be more gender parity in the armed force. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Fuck it. Like, if if this is what we're doing, let's do it, right? Yeah. Even in a moment where she was, like, really giving over to, like, not the better angels of her nature, there was still, like, 
well, I'm not going to, like, leave everyone behind here. Like, there's still yeah. a moment for me to make a point. There's a full song called G-Ma, I Want to Go Home, which I think is the one you're talking about where she does, like, the worst stand-up. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's, like, really, like, offensive jokes. Oh, yeah. They're, like, yikes. It's yikesy. And she also makes a joke about uh, American generals sexually harassing yes, her whenever she- her tits. Yeah. Which we didn't even talk about in the first episode, how, like, America has been obsessed with Dolly Parton's boobs for 50 years. Yeah. And, like, has not shut up about them. That's true. It is wild to me. Yeah. And, like, as she has gotten older, she has clearly gotten work done to be like, but my tits are still great, and I'm 75. Yeah. They're getting weirder and weirder. Yeah. But they- Stay uh, up. Yeah, but they're still up. There are multiple bridges throughout the South that are named, nicknamed the Dolly Parton Bridge because they have very evocative archways. <laughs> sure, yes. Which I'm just like- what must it be like to be Dolly Parton and like traveling through Alabama and someone's just like, we nicknamed this bridge after your tits, toots. That's what anyone who talks about someone's boobs in a weird way sounds like in no, my head. No, I mean, I think she's, but I think she's pretty into it, actually. Do you think it is something that she decided early, early on that she was just going to lean into because she was like, well, I could either have this be like an albatross around my neck for my entire life or I could just lean into it and have fun with it. I think I think that she well okay, have you ever seen that clip of her talking about how she modeled herself after the town horror or whatever? Yes. Like even before she was a songbird personality, mm -hmm. I think she had a very clear vision for herself of hyper femininity. Mm -hmm. And I think that if she was not famous, she would look a little like she looks now. Like, I think it's, she wouldn't probably have the budget. <laughs> sure. But, like, I think she would have made a lot of really similar aesthetic choices. Because mm -hmm. I think that's just, like, she knew, she just seems to have a really strong sense of presentation. We've been yeah. using that word a lot lately around our house. But, like, but like she she seems to have a, a, a really clear and narrow vision for how she wants to come across. And I, and I genuinely think that that predated her even her move to Nashville where did it come from I don't know but I don't think it came from um music producers being sleazy sure or simply trying to maximize anything I think that is a for her like a a lucky byproduct of what feels right to her that she's like she's like this this is how I want to look and also if I play it right I get certain advantages yeah Something else we didn't talk about that I feel like is kind of an important part of Dolly Parton's like personal vibe. There was a time not that long ago in American culture where it was like considered very gauche to admit that you'd had plastic surgery, even when it was very obvious that you right. had. Yes. And I feel like there are still celebrities now who like get very offended when you ask them. Like Jane Fonda gets very offended when you ask her if she's had plastic surgery, even though she's obviously has and yes. it's very good plastic surgery the fucking she looks housewives. great yeah some of them are like these are the things that i've done some of them do it on camera and some of them like that time that wendy was like i did my boobs but not my butt and then mm -hmm. later she was like i did my butt yeah <laughs> like people's boundaries about it are around it are so weird because of yeah because we started out with a weird attitude about it 
Yeah, and I there was a while back where she got asked, she Dolly Parton got asked about plastic surgery. I think by someone who was like expecting her to give the standard like, oh, I don't like to talk about that. She was like, fuck yeah, I get plastic surgery. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like anytime I notice something sagging or dragging, I think sagging or dragging is the phrase that she okay. used. That sounds like she's that. like, I will go in and get that sucked and plucked was another term that she used. Uh-huh. She's basically like, anytime I see something out of place, I'm getting it stuck back in place and like let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very death becomes her. Yes, very death becomes her. <laughs> I started this by just pulling out the track name Gma. I want to go home, and I just like that to me. That's just another one. It's like yes, like like the whole aesthetic of it is acknowledging how shitty war is. Like it's a whole song about how like nobody wants to be there. Like Gma, I want to go home. Like uh, break my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to go, Dolly. They don't have to go in the first place. Right. Like, we could raise a generation of people who are not traumatized by an imperialist war. We could have did that, but we didn't. I mean, I guess we did, and they're called Gen Z. There's some hymns. Yes, There's there some are. literal hymns. Mm-hmm. This is the one where she drops that her grandpa was a Pentecostal preacher, and as soon as she said Pentecostal, I was yes. like, oh, I get it. That, and that is absolutely what she's drawing on in yeah. her little direct address which because there are there are some that are that are very sort of neutral and like <laughs> but there are some that really kind of have this like build towards something yeah that's like oh yeah i know where you got that dolly yeah and for those of you who aren't sure what pentecostalism means uh mary cosby mary cosby, from, <laughs> mary cosby from the real housewives of salt lake city is a pentecostal preacher's wife if you don't know what that means go check her out you'll understand about 30 seconds flat oh she's a pentecostal preacher is she not? I think she's not technically. She's the first lady of the church. But I think she does a lot of, is she not allowed to be called a preacher? I guess not, but she does a lot she of, does a lot she of does a lot of witnessing. Yes. She does yes. a lot of preaching. She does a lot of witnessing. Do you remember the track Brave Little Soldier? Yep. Okay. That was also, I went on a, I had a real moment with that song. So this album, as Anthony mentioned, is long yes and i had listened to a lot of songs about america with a a a mixture of shock and entertainment yeah (laughs) and then and then this song came around and i found it so disturbing because i was like this is indoctrinating the babies like Mm -hmm. babies like this is a full like nursery rhyme Mm -hmm. that is conditioning children that soldiering is a high calling like going to a a war Mm -hmm. is like a beautiful life goal and a really honorable way to live like so like everyone will be so proud of you but then i thought about it and i was like because she says in her little direct address she says that she wrote it for a kid who was going through cancer treatments yes yes so okay so i'm listening to this and i'm like this is propaganda at its very worst like this is like some like hitler youth shit Mm -hmm. and then but then i was like no but actually if you just told me if it wasn't on this album and i was just thinking of it as a song about going through cancer i'd be like that's kind of cute like that's like a cute way to like motivate a child through something really difficult yeah yeah like soldier is in a little trooper yes yes a little trooper Yes. And not like a paratrooper. Yes. But then that made me (laughs) nice. Thank you. I was like, oh, you're just going to let that by. I was proud of that. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, but wait, then I too am doing this disturbing propaganda. I mean, I guess I'm not directly, but I have been approving of it in other contexts. Like if that is the image we're going to use for like bravery, if that's what we're going to tell little kids bravery is. 
mm-hmm. like then we're all doing it and then i thought about every taylor swift song about war that i've been like i don't know i think it's kind of nice that she makes metaphors about war because sometimes love is that hard <laughs> yeah and it's like i do think that she writes some really lovely metaphor mm-hmm. <laughs> but now i'm starting to she is also from, from Nash- tennessee yes <laughs> And, like, a lot of what I think has just absolutely bamboozled everybody's minds about her is that she's bringing so many techniques of country into pop, the Mm -hmm. pop sensibility. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us who don't listen to country music have just, like, never been accosted by, like, pathos. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of storytelling in song, the way Mm -hmm. she does it. And we just don't know how to react. It really made me question everything. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, like... The way we talk about things is important. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And to that point, I wanted to briefly touch on how in our first episode about Dolly Parton, yes. I said that Dolly Parton talked about God in a really interesting and like vaguely metaphorical way and was not very like Jesus is the light and the life and the Lord. Who boy does she take a turn yeah. in the last half of her career? And I don't know if it was just maybe her faith changed or maybe she just felt more comfortable recording Christian hymnals, but she does a lot of, and some of it is still incredibly entertaining, but she does a lot more like uh, praise Jesus. Yes. Like specifically in the back half of her catalog than she did in the first half and a lot less like beauty of nature and more like the beauty of the Easter holiday he has risen. And I'm just like, Okay. Yeah. A lot of a lot of he is risen. Yeah, and like I get it and like I said in the first episode, I think she comes by her faith very honestly. She said her grandpa was a Pentecostal preacher, so like that's some intense shit and if this is what's coming out on the other side as she gets older, I get it. It doesn't always make me comfortable, but I get it. And I feel like if we look at the overall impact that she's had on messaging and the overall impact that her money has had, I think that she is, I, like, I'm okay with it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I, like, I think that she, I think that she is a, a, a not not all like that Christian. However, <laughs> on this album, and this album especially, and like a few of the ones surrounding it are just like, man. I guess I don't know <laughs> on, on the pop albums. I guess like it does or pop country. Like I guess it sort of doesn't bother me if she wants to bring that up because it doesn't feel like I don't feel like evangelized the way yeah. I do on this album. Like I feel like she's just kind of singing about like something that interests her. And again, like it's wild that I would even consider like being interested in that with her for the length of a song. But like at this point, I'm very invested in her. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Jesus and Gravity earlier, which I think is a great example yes, of a song where it's like get to that album. Yeah, it's sure. just like oh, Jesus lifts me up, Gravity keeps me humble and grounded and yeah. I can do anything. But I also like I forget what album it's on, but he's alive. Oh yeah, that's um I yeah, one of the ones one of the, the boring ones. 90s. But I liked that track, even though it's like Jesus based. Yeah. Because it also I don't know. It just like it was a fun little pop gospel number. Yeah. And I was like, I'm willing to listen to this because I feel like you have made it from your heart, Dolly. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't I don't think that I need to like sign up for anything yeah, to yeah. enjoy the song yeah since we've been talking about forgotten country a lot should we talk about backwoods barbie a little bit backwoods barbie is an interesting one because i noticed i think it's the lead it's either the lead track or the second track where she starts using like bootstraps ideology a little bit and i'm like well at this point she's 60 yeah. So, like, I'm not surprised that she's sort of losing her perspective a little bit. Yeah. 
Are you talking about better get to live in? Yeah, yeah. Where it's just like, oh, if life is hard, well, then, you know, life is hard sometimes. But like, okay. suck it up, buttercup. Let's do it. I got to say, that did not ping me as much. It felt more like a return to form to me, to like some of her things about how like she lo- loved being poor, but wouldn't do it again. Yes. Like, there, I, there was I, I don't know. I too. felt like it was like, you can only be where you are. That's where you are. There, there was. You know what I mean? Like, r- like radical acceptance. There was a lot than, of like, that, but there was a line where she literally says, "Pick yourself up by your bootstraps." Okay. But yes, you are right. There is also a lot of like, "What are you gonna do? Sit around feeling sorry for yourself because this is what the your circumstances are." Look, your circumstances are your circumstances. You got to make the best of it. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I, I felt like it was more like find the joy where you are sitting, yeah, rather than like everyone has the tools to be richer <laughs> yes yeah it was definitely everybody knows everybody knows it was definitely more in service of let's call it classic dolly parton themes yeah of accepting your circumstance and like poverty does not mean failure it does not mean necessarily have to mean unhappiness even when it's really hard right backwoods barbie i would like to talk about the track backwoods barbie yeah per our earlier discussion about like her aesthetic mm-hmm. i just had so much fun listening to that song i'm thinking about little baby dolly parton and little baby trixie mattel <laughs> decades and genders and states apart mm-hmm. <laughs> like each deciding that this was how they had to look no matter what it cost them yes do you know what i mean yes like like i don't and and i, I think that's what i'm saying because in it she talks about like and people don't take me very seriously and like yeah. i have to do a lot to compensate for the way i look but i just want to look this way yeah <laughs> and that something about that felt so draggy mm-hmm. to me yeah and i i just had fun thinking about them both like doing their makeup and wigs and having that conversation with themselves. Yeah. It is interesting. And Trixie Mattel is a good comp because they have such a similar aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Like I'm confident that Dolly Parton is like a main thing. It would be absolutely buck wild if Trixie was like, yeah, I I don't really feel a lot of kinship with Dolly Parton. (laughs) No, like she looks the same. She writes the same kind of music. Yeah. And like, uh, all stars three there was a challenge where she was dolly parton for a challenge mm-hmm. and it was like oh shit she looks exactly like her yeah yeah so i i think hers was partly like oh i need to look exactly like dolly parton but just like the fact that i mean i just make some assumptions about like what it costs anyone to do drag outside mm-hmm. of like in michigan or wherever the fuck wisconsin wisconsin no i just feel like they both have this like well but that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's probably not going to be the easiest path for me, but it's the thing that I want. Yeah. There's also a strain of it. Cause she, there's a couple times in the song. I think it's like the end of the hook where she's like, I can still get my feelings hurt. Yeah. And I feel like the vibe is like, look, you don't, you don't have to agree with it. I get that. It's not for everybody, but like, let's not be total dicks about it. Shall we? Like I am still human. Yeah. She also, there's something where she's like, she's like, you might think that I'm shallow, but like I'm deep where it counts. Yes. And I was like, ooh, that is a good drag line. Yes. Yes. Ooh, I want to see someone assigned male say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's a fun one. Jesus and gravity we already talked about. Listen, that's, that shit's a goddamn bop. Yes, it is. And I'm, I'm standing by that. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Cologne? That was an interesting one. 
I had a, a lot of feelings during cologne. I, I was like, I had like a little tummy fly. My tummy was in my throat a little bit mm, in, that, in that song. That sounded like a Taylor Swift song from Folklore or Evermore. Uh, like in the yeah. in the vibe of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Country music, man. We're just not paying enough attention. Like in the pop aesthetic, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of sympathy for the mistress. Yeah. There's not a lot. Of, we're not going to, we're not going to come at that with compassion yeah we either hate the mistress or we are ashamed to be the mistress or we're kind of like i don't we're seeing now some sort of like scissor vibes of like sort of a morality towards it like it's it, it, it's it's not my goddamn problem right um and i'm gonna like be, i didn't blow up your relationship yeah 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 and like i'm gonna be the one the least affected one mm-hmm. in this like I'm, i'm gonna let everybody see that nothing touches me Mm-hmm. It's kind of another way. It's okay to be like a side piece. Yeah. But like, this is terrible. I'm having a terrible time and I don't know how to do anything else. Like, well, I think at one point she's like the, the truest love I've ever known. That's not, that's not happening outside country music Mm-mm. that we're approaching infidelity that way. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it last time that Dolly Parton's approach to like her sympathy for sex workers mistresses yeah no it's it's not the first time that she's like that she's like oh i'm gonna be on i'm gonna be on the inside of this feeling and i'm gonna really like explore the uh, most dramatic case scenario yeah but it is an effective time (laughs) yeah okay this might be a little bit uh, not supported by the text i don't know um but while i was listening to it i was like is this a song where she is singing as a man talking to another man because she specifically says Says cologne. cologne. Yes. I, yes, I thought that too. I ultimately came to believe that she is singing as like a version of herself. Yeah. Cause she also talks about like makeup and lipstick. She's like, you can clean all that off, but like smell lingers. Yes. See, I almost thought like, is she a man singing to a woman right now? Mm. Is this a, is this a Betty? <laughs> because I, I, the makeup thing, I was like, yes, that could, it could be her makeup that she put on, or it could be the makeup that you get on you when you're the not makeup wearing party. Sure. And then you can't have like lipstick on your collar. You can't have that. Right. Come home with you. But the smell lingers. Mm-hmm. I think she's using just sort of a gender neutral cologne. Mm-hmm. But it is, there is kind of a, an interesting queerness in the song. Yes. That, that I, I think also made it more engaging to me. Mm-hmm. What was the song from Rainbow that I sent to you? And I was like, and I, I think it might be a oh, cover, but I was like, Dolly. Fucking. Madam. Like. Miss Parton. It's like, it's like, it's like screaming for your love. Yeah. Screaming for your burning love or something like just. Red fucking. hot screaming love. There we go. Okay, yeah, let's we, check the song credits. We talked about in the first episode. Yes, she did not write that. How, like, she's very willing to just be like, here's a song about someone getting cucked. And this was just like, I want you to slobber your hot love on me. I yes. want six inches of your love inside me. It was just yes. like, holy shit. Yes, well, I think we said in the first one that she is, like, o- overt and yeah. um uh, uh, unashamed, yeah. but not horny. Yeah. Not, no. Yeah, nope, not this one. <laughs> she, she got horny in the late 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, all of us, it all comes crashing down. That's not the only one. There's, like, there's a few that are very, like, <laughs> dick me down, lover boy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's like what's a the lot one? of stick it in sugar. Yeah, what's there's one that's like Romeo, I want to say it's called. No, I have a vague memory of that. So. Yeah, that was like pretty horny. Yeah. No, she, she <laughs> like she they're got... doing a lot of ad libs at the end, and she goes, she goes, I'm old enough to be his lover. <laughs> that's right. Like Dolly, that's barely a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's almost a joke. Yeah. And I think in that song, she's also like, in the song in Rainbow, I think she's also like making sex noises, a la Love to Love You Baby. Yeah. And uh, that's, yeah, that's the most explicit It's, it's a different mood. It's yes. a much... Um, Jauntier. Yeah, a much, a much um, funner, flirty, it's a less sultry. Yeah. It's less of a actual track <laughs> you would put on a sex playlist than Love to Love You Baby. If you want a smorgasbord of sex noises, yeah, check out Dolly Parton and Donna Summer. Yeah, um, I don't know. So after Backwoods Barbie, I don't know about you, but after Backwoods Barbie, I kind of I like I like dip my toe in a couple things. But I basically called it after Backwoods Barbie. I was like, you know we what? We listened to a, we listened to a lot of Dolly Parton. You we guys. <laughs> did, and I feel like we've come away with a, a pretty solid understanding of Dolly Parton, which I think we put it off in the first episode, but I think we should ask our standard questions. I feel like. After this long, people might have an understanding of where we sit, but it'd we be nice to- We didn't do it? No, we didn't do it. We intentionally oh. left it out. I swear to God. Okay. Uh, what do you want to tackle? First? So, like, who is- Whatever kind of nuance you want to put on it, like, who is Dolly Parton for? Honestly? Listen, if you like Taylor Swift- Yeah. <laughs> and you are like, I- can't wait if you like if you hate every day of your life except the day that a taylor swift album has come out mm-hmm. go listen to some dolly parton there's so many of them yeah you there's will so find many. one that you yes like. you'll never run out yes like it's 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 a bottom and i think that's like something that's been exciting i know that's like one of the things that has made me made it impossible to continue to like keep taylor swift on the back burner of like my pop journey is that she's just so prolific yeah. And Dolly Parton is that too. And like a lot of her tricks are country tricks that I don't think Dolly and Parton, Dolly Parton invented, but like also truly maximizes yes. in a really like original and delightful way. Yeah. I think also this might be a weird comp, but I'm going to stick by it. If you listened to Kate Bush and you were okay. like, no, I, I don't think that's that crazy. And you were like, I love the lyricism of Kate Bush, but I really wish uh, more of her songs were more like mellifluous and listenable. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. I present to you Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton is much more listenable. Also, if you enjoy Casey Musgraves, you're going to love Dolly Parton. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Because I think Casey Musgraves at her best kind of sounds like, like in vibe. Yeah, when she, yeah like, absolutely. The songwriting is right and the vibe is right. I think she does sound like Dolly Parton. I stand by, I don't know if you left this in, but in the first part, I uh, I compared Dolly Parton's vocals to Ellie Goulding. I, I didn't, but only because we actually put a pin in that off the air. You like played some Ellie Goulding for me. Oh, and I was sure, like, yeah, oh, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yes, yes. So I absolutely stand by that. I, I don't know how much similarity there is in the songwriting, but if 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 what you're after is like like, like that vocal quality, like having a, a, a more um sweet soprano sound, but mm-hmm. still with like with like a a thrilling build to it. Mm-hmm. Like I just feel like they, they attack a, a bridge in a really similar way. And yep. and after I said it in the first one and then listened to anything could happen <laughs> and then listened to the second half of Dolly Parton, I was like, no, I, that is like, I, I just heard it everywhere. Yeah. So I don't know because that's, I don't really choose things by the 
similarity of the vocals, but if you do. Yeah. Oh, something I did want to say on Dolly Parton's vocals is I said in the first episode that her voice doesn't really change. By the time we get to mm, 2008, you can tell that she has lost some of the power in her voice. But what I do like about Dolly Parton is that I feel like she was a very keen observer of it. And so arranged her songs yes, to continue absolutely. to highlight the strengths of her voice as it changed. Yes. Which not everyone does. No. There are so many people who continue to reach for stuff that they can't reach for anymore. Yes, And absolutely. just like make themselves sound even worse and continue to blow out their voice. Yes, I agree. And that's something that I was concerned about. And I, but I, I really like at this point in my um, Dolly listening, I like, I, I really have like imprinted on her the way that I like like do you know what I mean like you know how how you can be somewhere and you like hear Lady Gaga's voice like yeah. faintly yes and you're like and you're like this is a yeah yeah like, you just like this is important yeah like or a like, meerkat popping out of a hole just like yeah or like if you if something comes on that's like that's like a cover that maybe you didn't know she did or like some sort mm-hmm. of like live performance that like I I don't I'm not like that rabid of a, a tracker of her movements like right. sometimes or like something off cheek to cheek. Yeah. <laughs> I, if it's something that I, I didn't recognize the instrumentation, it's like as soon as the vocals come in, I'm like, what is this? I don't like what? Like, yeah, like what I, I, I need to know. I'm invested now. And I yeah, I don't it stirs something within me. And I, I feel like I feel like Dolly and I have gotten there. I feel like she just really puts a, a lot of herself and a lot of emotion into mm-hmm. it that I now am like, I'm like, even when like she's older and it doesn't have all the like fullness, I'm just like, take me on the journey dolly i trust you yeah exactly she's i need to know how this turns out for you <laughs> yeah yeah she's uh i i feel the same way where i'm just like ooh, a dolly parton song like everyone shut up we gotta listen to dolly yeah gotta make sure she's okay yeah ah! so obviously i think it's fair to say she's in the curriculum yeah i'm gonna propose some classes yep obviously mythologizing Americana. Yeah. I feel like she's like uh, one of the core texts. Erase everything else in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is kind of funny because the first, we designed the mythologizing Americana class, designed, we first came up with the mythologizing Americana class. Yeah. Slapped together. Yes. The mythologizing Americana class. Left my mic. Because of the first artist we put on there was Tom Waits. Okay. And (laughs) Tom Waits and Dolly Parton are such a fascinating, like, just yes. polar opposite mirror images of one another. Yes. I feel like they have almost nothing in common with the way they present, but there is just something about the two of them where I'm like, I bet each of them really respects what the other one is doing. Yo, yes. Even if they're like, I'm not touching what they're doing. Yes. I, I bet they could each write a beautiful intro for the other's Lifetime Achievement Award. Absolutely. I, I don't think they would ever be asked. No, no, but they, it is really interesting to listen to them in conversation with one another. Yeah. And because we did, yeah, I mean, if, we call it the full weights for a reason. You, if you want to have the weirdest Month. LSD trip. Yeah. Just put on, just alternate Tom Waits and Dolly Parton albums and mm-hmm. just try to sink in, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it is very informative of like the text of this podcast that like the archetypical artist who we just like drove ourselves crazy doing was Tom Waits. And now I feel like we did the same thing with Dolly Parton. And I'm like, I'm glad we had Tom Waits in our head that whole time. I'm going to throw out another like, if you like this. Sure. Just because I'm glancing at this board. Marvin Gaye. Yeah. There's something like smooth and easy, but not Kenny G. Yes. About them both. Like, it's just like, it's just like 
really nice to listen to. It's just like mm-hmm. easy stuff. But then there is some like there's still gonna be like song choices and lyrics that are like oh oh <laughs> oh hey yeah <laughs> well <laughs> like you can listen to it and zen out whenever you engage it will still be interesting. Yes, exactly. That that is something about Dolly Parton's entire catalog that is true. Is like you don't need to pay attention to it to enjoy it. Like yeah. you don't need to pay attention that closely, but it rewards close listening as yes, you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Obviously. Easy to learn, hard to master. Yes, exactly. The Lady Auteurs. Yeah. Women Creating Men, something that we haven't used that much. Oh, yeah. No, but it's but that's something I'm interested in. Obviously, The Violent Femmes. Like 60% of what we cover on this podcast winds up in The Violent, violent Femmes. Violent Femmes, yeah. Let me try to make one up because that's what I like to do. Mm-hmm. Something about like like an entire adult life documented not as it was but through the like prism of songwriting yeah and i mean there's other artists that we've covered who i think are like that i was just thinking of what you said in the first episode of like dolly parton and lady gaga have this vibe where they're like always revealing of themselves like their stage persona is a persona but it's also very much a part of who they are and an outgrowth of who they are sure yeah yeah and so sometimes the stage is the truth and the exactly and i feel like that is in conversation with a class that you are trying to design and so even though lady gaga obviously her songwriting output is not nearly as prolific as dolly parton because who the fuck else is yeah but like i think lady gaga is well on her way like i think when we are old Mm -hmm. and she is old i will say this about her yes but it's like there's just something like a little more profound to me about someone who's already old like she already did it yeah. You know what I mean? Like Lady Gaga, at any second, Lady Gaga could be like, I'm hanging it up. Right. Would she? No. I but don't think so. I'm not expecting that from her, but I don't know. Fame. Fame messes with you, but she you. she did, I feel like she did the famous person thing of like, she lost the thread and regained it. And I think yeah. now that she has, she's not yeah, letting go. Yeah. Once you do that once. You most, usually hang most on. Most people, yes. Yeah. So if someone came up to you at a party Super and was like, my favorite artist is Dolly Parton. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to lie. That would strike me. I would be surprised to hear that. Like someone, someone our age Mm -hmm. being like my favorite artist is Dolly Parton. It's kind of almost like sometimes when people are like, when people our age are like my favorite artist is Madonna. I feel like they're trying to tell me it's like, it's like, okay. So if somebody tells me Madonna, Mm -hmm. I'm like, we are in the same universe yeah but i also feel like they're kind of trying to tell me how devoted they are to the history of the form Mm -hmm. rather than the state of the form sure it's certainly it's like certainly overall a green flag Mm -hmm. i just would be a little like huh it's not casey musgrave like i don't like yeah let me let me tweak the question a little bit so would you feel the same way if someone said to you, like, if you were having a conversation about songwriting with someone, this was not just volunteered out of the blue. Okay. If you were having a conversation about songwriting with someone and they said their favorite songwriter was Dolly Parton, do you still feel like that would be like, well, that's weird? No. I think that would be a smart thing to say. I thought you might say that. (laughs) (laughs) If I was like, I fought it for a long time, but I think the greatest lyricist of the 21st century is Taylor Swift. And someone was like, well, yeah, and I think the greatest lyricist of the... Wait, did I say it right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the greatest lyricist of the 20th century is Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, sweet, here we are. Two peas in a pot. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I figured. If it was like, it was like, who is your favorite like recording artist? I just feel like that, it's just like kind of a deep pull to me. Unless well, yeah. they were old 
or we were specifically talking about country music like unless it had been nailed down like I just think I would be like I think I would feel honestly like a little bit like lectured too well yeah because she hasn't had like a smash hit in almost 50 years like it's like to me it would almost be like sometimes when people are like my favorite playwright is Chekhov like things like that where people are like people want you to know that they like the classics right and that's like annoying of them right however this is a classics that I can now also talk about yeah (laughs) and like I do respect it I just feel I just would feel a little like okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah it, why are you saying that to me it's it's a little bit um i would question the motive it's a little bit same statement different font like i find a lot of things about jack dorsey the former ceo of twitter deeply annoying because he's a fucking late stage capitalist tech tycoon mm-hmm. but one thing that i found very annoying about him was he was like he sent out some tweet years and years ago where he was like i was at some silent retreat blah 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 okay. and i listened to the words of my favorite poet kendrick lamar and i was just like Yes. Kendrick Lamar is incredibly talented, and I am not going to tell you that you shouldn't like Kendrick Lamar because I think you should respect Kendrick Lamar. However, there's something just like deeply irritating and pretentious about referring to him as your favorite poet. Because you're not, you're, because you're not telling, now you're not telling me the Kendrick Lamar quote anymore. You, you, you're telling me how you want me to see you. Yes. Yes. That is it. And yeah. that, and that's, and that's a weird thing to do. Yes, but I do I do understand what you mean. Like, and she's not the first person where we've brought that up. And like, like okay, to come back to Kate Bush again, okay. I feel like we have some friends whose favorite artist is Kate Bush. Yeah, and I totally get that because like her weirdness still feels very fresh. Yes, and it's like okay, yeah, if you're kind of a weird person who enjoys weird music, like I get that Kate Bush still has like current yeah. appeal in a way that like. Dolly Parton doesn't have, but also she's not doing that. Like, it's right. a, it's a different thing. Yeah. But I think if yeah. someone brought it up as, like, a songwriter or a lyricist, I would absolutely respect that because I think it's a very defensible choice. Yes. A couple weeks ago when we were talking to some friends and we were talking about this podcast and we were like, oh, yeah, we recently covered Nina Simone. And everyone was like, oh, my God, I fucking love Nina Simone. Yes. But no one was like, she's my favorite artist of all time. Like, it was piano nerds. Who were like, Nina Simone's fucking incredible. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, of course you guys think Nina Simone's incredible. One, she is. And two, you guys are piano nerds. Of course you love another piano nerd. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, Another thing that I like to address when I uh, think of it is like, should you be embarrassed? Like if if someone comes at you with some Dolly Parton knowledge that you don't have, should you be embarrassed? I'm going to say no. If you don't know Jolene or I Will Always Love yeah. You. Oh, yes. You uh, sweet babies, please go listen to the album, Jolene. It is 25 minutes long, and then you will be fine if you yeah. are like, this isn't for me. That's yeah. okay. You know the two most famous songs. Yeah. Do you know what would also probably be pretty smart is 9 to 5? Yes. Maybe cover 9 to 5. That is true. If somebody like tries to make you feel bad for like, not knowing a lot about like the background. I I don't think that you need to be embarrassed about that. I don't think you need to lie, but I also think that this is a common answer that I give, but I also think that it's, I can't imagine the person that would be sorry to know a little more about Dolly Parton or to have sampled a little bit more of her work. Yeah. Like even when I was bored by Dolly Parton albums, I never came away from that, a, a Dolly Parton album being like, that was an absolute total waste of my time. Yeah. What's the other one I really liked? Here You Come Again. Oh, what a great album. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, try- I'm just trying to pull out some of the highlights for you guys. Yeah. Here you- <laughs> so you can be like, let me just like yeah. see. Jolene, Here You Come Again, My Tennessee Mountain Home, Joshua. The two we said at the beginning. 
yeah, Backwoods Barbie, New Harvest, First Gathering. If you And also, I will say, I know we talked about it a lot on this episode, but if you are already into Dolly Parton and you want to see into the multiverse a little bit, just go listen to Forgotten Country, just because it is such a wild ride. Sure. Like, I think it's an embarrassing cultural artifact, but it is still a cultural artifact. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know what things I'm going to tell you you should be embarrassed about. I mean, the whole thing of this is, like, trying to, like eliminate the shame around not knowing but like dolly parton is is worth your time to investigate and then and and should it ever come up and you know a little more i don't i I don't i don't think you're ever going to be sorry yeah and if you're talking to someone and they're like oh let me play you a dolly parton song you should not fear yeah you should not fear 95 percent of them are going to be like oh that was super fun yeah and the five percent that aren't are usually like yeah are on forgotten country yeah oh yeah caveat if someone is like my favorite artist is dolly parton and my favorite album of hers is forgotten country run run away yes. run the if fuck you, away if in someone's these colors don't run truck yeah and they are like two of the five discs in my cd changer are forgotten country mm-hmm. do you want to listen to it in its entirety check if it has door handles <laughs> yes and then do a ladybird if you have to. Yes, I agree. In closing, I will just say, what an absolute treasure. This was a long project for just covering her, but I'm really glad that we gave her the time and space that we did. And it yeah. makes me feel very bad that we didn't do that for like Nina Simone. Uh, yeah. Because she absolutely deserved it. And we even said it in the episode that she deserved more than half an episode. It's something that we can incorporate going forward of like, I think the next time we come up with an artist whose oeuvre is at, like when we eventually do Prince, I would want to do Prince as a standalone two-parter as well. Absolutely. This has been very rewarding. Mm -hmm. And like, I think we did spend a lot of time on it, but I feel like it's also like some of the most like applicable. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm just glad for like the curiosity or the podcast. Like I'm, I'm, I'm rarely sorry. Yeah. But like, Sometimes it's just like, huh. Mm-hmm. And this is like, this is this is knowledge I'm going to use the rest of my life. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so where can they find you on TikTok? At Trash Analysis. Great. You can find the show on, I'm putting this out in the universe. You can find the show on Instagram at Sophisticate Pod hey. because we don't use Twitter anymore. We have not used our Twitter since Elon Musk took over Twitter. Okay. And I'm tired of not promoting the show. So you can find right. us on Instagram at Sophisticate Pod. You can find me on TikTok and on Twitter still, at Anxious Archfey. And you know what? Fuck it. You can find the show on TikTok at Sophisticate Pod as well. Okay. Because we both use that platform regularly. Yeah. Uh, continue to like and rate and review. Subscribe on all of your podcatchers. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> tell your friends about us. Word of mouth is always really helpful. Uh, a lot of times it's just how podcasts spread is by word of mouth. Uh, yeah, I honestly think that is the main way that this works but until next time i think we're gonna take a break from a recording artist for our next episode i think our next episode is gonna be two movies it's gonna be two like pretty fun light uh movies yeah we're giving from the 80s a a A palate cleanser i need i need to catch up on my like current releases yes There's a Kesha album coming out. I was just about to say, there's a Kesha album coming out. We need (laughs) to be ready. I need to be ready. So until next time, that about does it for us here at I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. Until next time, good night and good luck.